Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. I'm in Psalm 142. That's where I'm going to take the text from today. Psalm 142. I'd like to preach the patriotic message today. I did wear a red tie and, uh, and a blue suit and a white shirt. So, uh, and I am patriotic and I salute my flag. And uh, my mama said, if you wouldn't fight for this country, you ought to have to go away. Hallelujah. And so uh, I, I, I appreciate those that have gone before me, enabled us to be here today and be able to do what we do. Uh, I didn't shed any blood. I was too young for Vietnam. I got out before Desert Storm. And I, at that time, the Coast Guard would have become part of the Navy. Don't hold that against me back there, Captain. But uh, with Hoorah, uh, uh, he's a former Marine. But I think he you flew for the Navy as well, didn't you? Did you fly for the Navy as well? Marine Corps. Marines, hey, I knew it. Yeah, I can't get out. <laughs> Got the Air Force over here. Joe's with us today, he and Jen. Ian, we're glad to have them. And, and uh, so... But I appreciate those that have gone before, Amen. shed their blood and on foreign soil and on our soil and to start the thing that I could come and do this today for religious freedoms. Uh, so uh, I, I thank the Lord that uh, we have this liberty and this freedom today. I love America. She's not what she once was. She just isn't. But I'm going to tell you, if you believe Bible prophecy... If you believe Bible prophecy, Zechariah said he was going to bring all nations against Jerusalem. And all means all, and that's all it means. And so it, it includes the United States of America. And, and so, uh, but I'm praying that the church is out of here when that transpires. And, and uh, we'll be well on our way and we'll blast off to glory. Psalm 142, I hope you've uh, found that. And if, if you have... Shout amen for me. I'm going to read the entire psalm. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. You sang the right song, bit. In the way wherein I walked have they privately laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge fell me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord, I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully. With me, Father, I love you. I thank you for the day, the chance to be in your house again, Lord. What a privilege to stand on this sanctified ground behind this holy desk. God, holy because the book lays on it and is preached from it. We pray that you'd use us for a little while today, God. Help me preach like a dying man to dying people. 
I pray you'd fill my mouth, guard my tongue, preach me with accuracy inside the bounds of the writ. And I pray, God, you touch every heart in the house. God, it's a little calm spirit in here this morning. It's good for sowing. God, I pray that we'd see some increase this morning. God, we prayed and we prayed for increase. I've asked you, Lord, for increase today. Oh, God, would you grant it, Lord? God, we can give an invitation, but unless you draw them, I pray you touch them, God, draw them out today. Let them understand where they stand with you. I love you and I praise you for the day and this opportunity. I ask it in the king's name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. And amen. Now I want to try to preach for a few moments this morning on this thought, who cares? Who cares? David finds himself in a, in, a, in, a, in a tough situation. He's in a tough place right here. If you, if you read into this, some of your Bibles is going to have a heading in it like mine. It's going to say, Michelle of David a prayer when he was in the cave. It's going to let us know where David was when he began to pray this prayer. Now, he was in the cave a couple of different times. Once he was in Gedi, was in in Gedi, but once he was in Adullam, and I think, uh, or it's, it's, I think it's a pr- pronounced Adullam. I think this is Adullam, the cave in which he's in right here. What's transpired in order for him to pray this prayer, I think we, it would do us well to understand this morning because all of us has found ourselves in this place at one time or another when it seemed like the enemy was all around us, there wasn't anybody for us, we felt like we were all alone, But David said, and I gave my complaint unto the Lord. I mean, he's complaining about where he's at. You ever do that? You ever get real and plain with God? He already knows you just well do it. I mean, right down to saying, God, I'm mad about this. I'm angry. I'm hurt, God. David said, I poured my complaint out to him. Here's my problem, Lord. I got a problem. David said, but I looked around, there wasn't, I looked to my right, there wasn't nobody with me. And then I I said, Lord, nobody cares for my soul. They don't care, they don't care. But let's let's review what put David here. David's in the house of Saul. Saul's his father-in-law. He's married to Michal, his daughter. Here he is, he's looking good. I mean, he is the warrior of warriors. Hey, you might let somebody be on your trail, but you don't want David on your trail. When David gets on your trail, listen, you're going down if he comes up against you. And it don't matter how big you are or how many there is. Uh, Hey, he'll go out and get 200 of them if he needs to. There he is. But Saul's jealous. A bad spirit's come over Saul simply because of disobedience unto God. Disobedience is a bad thing. I wish I could look at you this morning and say, I haven't experienced that in my Christian walk. That'd be a lie. I wish I could say in my preaching ministry, there's never been a minute every time God wanted it or said don't do it, and that's exactly what I've done. I wish I could say that this morning, but I'm just going to tell you, I've had my times of disobedience. Disobedience is a bad thing. To obey is better than sacrifice. He's looking for us to simply be obedient unto him. Saul wasn't obedient and a bad spirit come his way of the Lord, by the way. 
And so Saul's wanting to kill David. Saul's going to kill him. Finally, it gets down to this place, Jonathan, who loved David as his own soul. Jonathan said, you got to go away. He's going to kill you if you don't go. You're going to have to go away. Listen, I want you to get this. If I don't, you don't get anything else I say today, you let this sink down your soul. Sins of others will drive you from a place where blessing is. The sins of others. It wasn't David's sin. David said, I've done nothing wrong. Jonathan's done nothing wrong, but yet it drove David from the place of blessing, from his position. But hey, look here. God, God never lets you be moved that he ain't about to do something better for you down the road. Over and over, we see it in a book. When it got tough and rough and you thought there's no way around it, God's going to bless you down the road. Jonathan said, you got to go. Where's David go? Straight to the priest. He goes to the priest. He said, hey, I'm hungry. Abimelech said, what are you doing here? He was afraid. David showed up by himself. This can't be good. He said, well, I'm on a mission. David told a lie right there. He's a man after God's own heart. And David flat out lied to him. He said, I'm on a mission from the king. Well, he was on a mission from Away from the king. Maybe David's incorporated that a little, made him feel better about it. That's how we do. Tell something, just withhold a little bit of the information. So what does he give him? He gives him bread, show bread. It was the bread that was exchanged. It was there on the table. The fresh bread had to be put on the table. And the Levite brought the priest brought the bread out. That bread that was brought out was given to David. He said, if you're clean, you can eat it. He said, I'm clean. You can have it. He said, if you got a weapon, I need a sword. He said, well, Goliath is in here, the giant, the Philistine that you killed. It's in here wrapped up. David said, I'll take it. You're going to need a sword. Are you with me? Who cares? Here he is. Now, Jonathan's told him to go away, his best friend. He done it for his benefit, Brother Irvin. He done it for his benefit, but it broke his soul to have to go. Then he goes to the priest. The priest gives him some bread. It's going to cost him his life because he's helped David. It'll cost you something to help God's people. He gets a sword and he goes on about his business. Now David comes to Achish, and here, look, now he goes into him. He thinks, I'll join up with him, find me a place to hide. He goes in there, and they say, hey, who is this guy? David fears. He knows the Spirit of God has touched that said, you're in a bad place. David acts like a crazy man, clawing at the gate, spit running down his beard. He's acting like a crazy man, and the king runs him off. Said, he's a maniac. We don't need him. He's a crazy man. He's a lunatic. Now David's at Adullam. Or a doolum, whichever way you prefer. David comes to the cave. And there's nobody there. Nobody there. David looks around. He knows he can do this. Well, bless God. When there ain't nobody else to talk to. I mean, when there's nobody in earshot of what you need to say. (laughs) 
friend, you are one prayer away from the very throne room of grace. All we got to do is call upon the name of the Lord. He'll, I love the Lord because he's heard my voice and my supplication. David knew that. He hath inclined his ear unto me. David knew that. Hey, he finds himself in a cave all alone. And the best thing David can do is pray. Can I tell you that's the best thing you can do? It doesn't matter your situation, how many enemies you think you've got against you, or if you're all alone, the best thing you can do is call upon the name of the Lord. Pour your complaint out to him. He already knows it. You know why God wants you to tell him what's wrong with you? David said he cried with his mouth. When you say it, you hear it. It's different saying it than thinking it. Now there is silent prayer. And I say it often, it's not the position of the body, it's the condition of the heart that equals prayer. So we have that, we have that. But David said, when I'm down to needing this, I'm needing it bad. What am I going to do? I'm going to say something. I'm going to speak out loud. Then Jesus told him when he taught him how to pray, when you pray, say. Somebody said, you free will Baptist, pray out loud all at the same time. I don't like it. I said, Ed, don't bother God enough. David said, I'm pouring it out. I'm telling you, God, what's wrong with me? There's nobody cares for me. I didn't get this till last night. I'm thinking about this right here. I'm thinking, God, what am I going to do with this? I know the other message I preached. What am I going to do with this? And it brings to my mind, Richard, I'm fine. I'll read over there. And then when David's, when some people show up, Watch this. Do you think somebody showed up to help David? Everybody that showed up needed something from David. There David is all alone in a cave wondering how am I going to get, I need some help here. Lord, nobody even cares for me. And my son says it often. The blessing of doing a lot of work is more work. He said, if you're real good at your job and you do work, you know what they'll do? They'll put more work on you. One guy said, if you want something done, find the busiest guy you know and say, hey, I need this done. Somehow he'll find a way to get it done. 400 people show up. They get word, David's in the cave. That's the man I need. And 400 of them show up and we know. Listen, <clears throat> let me define this group that showed up. One was those in distress. I mean, I'm thinking, if somebody's going to show up and be on David's side, who you got? The distressed. Guess what this means? Figuratively, that word distress means one confined or disabled. Nothing against Brother Chris this morning has a disability. But God gave you something to do in spite of your disability. So in confinement, the distressed, you would qualify as one in distress. And you know what? You know where they showed up? In the cave with David. I, the ones that are confined, bound up by something, and those that are in distress. 
or, or discipled. Number two, it wasn't just those in distress. Then here's the bunch that shows up, those in debt. And it means, when I look this up, it means done. They send you a notice in the mail. You're overdrawn. You owe this. This bunch has filed chapter 11. They've come to David. They're not bringing him any financial gain. He needs some money. They need things to buy food with, cheese and animals to sustain the army. They're not getting none out of this bunch. They're dead broke. So we've got the disabled and those that are being done. Well, that's the army you want. But then, the discontented. The discontented. Literally and figuratively, this means bitter. Bitter. Those that are bitter. Brian Bear calls, I'm coming back from Ohio, whatever that was. Wednesday, Brian Bear calls me. He said, I've got something that you're going to need. He had no idea. I was preaching this this morning. I didn't know myself. And I had no idea. I had no idea that the, the word defined there meant bitter. The distressed, those in debt, and those discontented. I had no idea that meant bitter. Brian says, we've just had a church camp and this girl works in the medical field and said, I sat in on a lesson this morning and I'm telling you, preacher, it has rocked my world. He said, this is good, you're going to use it. I didn't know I'd use it this quick. He said, she works there and she, she taught on bitterness. I've come to realize we probably got more of that in us than we realize. And this lady's teaching this teen class and says this, bitter isn't in the substance that you take in. It's bitter because of your tongue. Said the thing that makes it bitter is in you. It's not the substance. So when you put it in your mouth, it's bitter. The discontented, bitterness, it's the thing we're eating on. It's the thing that's in us. Now, it's caused by two or three different things. One's how you take care of yourself. Another is your DNA. And there's a, I can't recall what the third one is. But there's three things there that causes that thing when you eat. You ever seen anybody eat a crab apple? Huh? Huh? What'd you say? Stay right there. Stay right there. Juniors eat a bunch of them. Anybody ever been tricked when you was a kid? You found a big ripe persimmon and somebody handed it to you and said, hey, these are good. And they're eating the time out of it, but they forget to tell you, they've taken the peel off of it. And you throw one of them things in your mouth and chomp down. 
It'll cross your eyes. But I've seen people eat crab apples and they can eat a handful and that don't even act like it bothers them. Hey, eating that thing must not be bitter then. This discontented bunch is bitter. Wonder who they're bitter at or what they're bitter about. I don't know, it doesn't say. It just says they're discontented, which means in the Hebrew, they're bitter about something. I'm sitting at my table the other morning. Well, actually, it's two weeks ago. I'm sitting at the table, and God gave me a thought on this message, and he said, and it just, I mean, it's like somebody speaking in my head. No man cares for my soul. No man cares for my soul. Who cares? And I thought this, Brother Dwayne, I thought, what would prevent us in today's world from caring? I'm going to give you three things and try to relate it back to the three that I've described out here. Or what, keep, what would keep us from caring? What would prevent us from caring like we should? Here's the first thing come to my mind. You know what keeps us from caring like we should, I think? We're too busy to care. We're too busy. I got things to do. I don't have time to slow down, don't have time to look around. Listen, uh, first come, first serve. If you're on my list that day, I, that's what I'm talking to. I'm busy. Too busy to care. It's not that I don't care, Roland. I'm just busy. I got things to do. Is that is anything wrong with that? No, nothing's wrong with that. But caring should be a priority. We're so busy. Listen, I'm not knocking ball. I, I, I enjoy watching ball, but I'm telling you, Chris Rumfelt said one time, and his boys are ball players, one of them is particular. He said, ball and bell's just one letter apart. I'm just saying, we've got to be careful about our priorities. We can be so busy. We can have them. We can put ourselves. Let's just forget about ball and make somebody mad right there. But how about we just put ourselves in it and we put 32 things on our agenda for this week? I mean, we can lose one or two. The world's still going to spin without you when you're gone. As a matter of fact, most will be gone a long time before anybody even knows they're gone. They're just going to keep on. Why? Because they're busy. And there's a lot of people. Look, look here. <laughs> Careful right here. There's a lot of people going to be glad when you are gone. Got them out of the way. Sometimes, Jimmy, we're too busy to care. You remember, the, you remember the good Samaritan? You remember the Levi and the priest? You know what they're doing? They're walking down the road. They see this guy. This guy needs some help. One of them even walks over and looks at him. Mm, yeah, he needs some help. Right on down the road. Sometimes we're too busy to care. 
Sometimes we're too blessed. We're too blessed. My thought, here's my scripture I read this morning out of Luke chapter number 12, 11, 12. When he said this, he said, hey, I'm just going to tear my barn down and build me a bigger barn. It doesn't say anything about him making sacrifice. It's quiet right now. I'm helping somebody. I'm so blessed. I don't have time to care. I got a plenty. You know what the lad to see a church? You know what the Lord said about that? He said, we're rich and increased with goods. We don't have, need nothing. He said, you're poor, wretched, miserable, naked, and blind. You need some eyesight good on there. You're not looking right. Thanks. I'm eating this. I'm looking out there at my garage. It's plumb full of stuff. Stuff. I told Dusty, I said, when I die, I don't know what you're going to do with all this junk. Yard sale. If they'll buy it, they won't give it away. Somebody will take it. What are you going to do with all this? Sometimes we'll be too blessed. I mean, we get our mindset on the blessing instead of the blesser. I heard a preacher preach this off a CD one time. Said his boy begged and begged and begged for a bicycle. Begged for a bicycle. Said he finally broke down and bought him a bicycle. He said, I never seen that boy. Said, I'm telling you. Said, pretty soon. Said, all he thought about was that bicycle. Said, I come in. It used to be when I come in, he'd meet me at the porch. Hey, Daddy, how's your day? All this. He said, pretty soon, all it was, he's cared about that bicycle. He said, you know what? I found I could make that bicycle disappear. Who cares? David said, they ain't nobody cared for me. And the ones that showed up, they, they came because they needed help. They needed care. They didn't care. But this is, this, this, stay right here. Stay right here. Don't go nowhere. God got on me with this. Some people are too burdened or broken to care. They're so busy, concerned. We can get so concerned about our own situation that we're consumed by it. We're too broken to care about anything else. Now that's human nature. That's human nature. When you get in that place, I'm telling you, and there's nowhere to look up, I'm preaching by experience right here. When you get in that place, you're wondering why in the world has this happened? I mean, I can't see what's going on here. But you can't become consumed with brokenness. You still got to care. You know what I find about David? Oh, David's broke here. He's burdened. He's in a bad spot. It looks like he's left all alone. But you know who David is a picture of? Somebody tell me. Jesus. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. The Bible said, they all forsook him and fled. Those that come to Jesus in his earthly ministry, you know what they wanted? Something from him. Tangible. They wanted, they wanted blessings. They wanted something given. Give me. What wilt thou that I should do for thee that I might receive my sight? I'm blind. 
Bang, got it. Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. Stick that leopard hand out here and let me take care of that. Walk into the graveyard, the woman's boy, now she didn't ask for anything, he just done it, but he gave of himself. He gave and he gave and everybody around him. You know what they come? I find one old Samaritan that got healed and he came back. Nine of them run off. Mark Hall whispered in my ear at the meeting there on Thursday night. He said, I don't want to be the nine that run away to you. But one of them come back. He said, I'll do something for you. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You know what that Jesus done? In spite of this, hear me, hear me, I'm about finished. In spite of these things, in, was Jesus busy? Was he busy? Listen, listen, in, in, in Colossians 1, 17, he is before all things and by him do all things consist. Though he was keeping it all in order, he had time for blind people, broken people, hungry people, dead people. He had time. Was he busy? More busy than anybody else. Hey, he's holding. Well, glory. He's holding the stars in the sky. He's spinning the earth. Make sure it doesn't stop. He's uh, Listen, the sun's burning because he said, is he busy? There's nobody as busy as the Lord. And in all of that, you know what? He cared. <laughs> was he blessed? Was he too blessed to care? All. We think we got a few things. All the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You brought his children to church this morning. You wore his clothes. You're driving his car. You're sitting on his pew. You're underneath his roof. All the earth is his and the fullness thereof. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above, down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every blessing, every bite of bread, every breath, every good day you've had, and every bad day that he brought you through, praise God. Hey, that's a blessing of the Lord. And there he is. That's him. That's my Jesus. Is he busy? You better believe he's busy. Was he blessed beyond measure? Was he broken? He was wounded for my transgressions. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. He's bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And with his stripes, was he broken? You better believe him. He's broken for Barabbas. He's broken for you. He's broken for me. If Michael was here this morning, he and Tammy's out singing somewhere. And if it was here, I'd have him when I, he was on the cross. I was on his mind. He was broken. And yet in all that. And then his disciples asked him in the boat that night. When the waves were high and the wind was blowing... And they asked the most foolish question in the word of God, bar none, hands down, that I believe this is the most foolish question in the Bible. Carest thou not that we perish? Can I tell you? 
Who cares? He cares. He cares. And he's just like David. You let the bitter, you let those that are bitter about something, you let them come. You let those that are in debt. You let those, you let those that are distressed, they're broken, they're disabled, they're confined by something. You let them come. He won't run them off. You know why? Because he cares. Aren't you glad that Jesus cares for you? What would you do for him today? You know what he'd have us do? Come unto me, all you that labor, heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lorena's coming to the piano. Let me tell you a little story and I'm done. So I'm looking at, some of you guys may never do this, but I do quite often, and I don't know why. I don't need anything. I'm looking at Marketplace on Facebook. Anybody ever looked at that besides me? Dennis don't have Facebook, so I know he didn't look at it. And I see this Lou's bait casting reel and rod for $100. I mean, this is half price. What a deal. I must needs go buy it. <laughs> I got 32 rods and reels. I'm about to have a yard sale. Some of you laughing. I'd like to count the shoes in your closet. I'll get this boy's number. I said, Bill, we're about 5 o'clock. Michael, Mark, and myself tried to play, learn a song last night. I said, I'll be over around 5 o'clock. And he tells me where it's at. And I know, I know exactly. I mean, when he tells me, where, I know exactly where it's at. He said, I can't meet you anywhere. He said, I'm taking care of, I'm taking care of my grandma because she's sick. I'm real glad I'm buying it now. He said, I'm saving up my money to buy me an iPhone so I'm keeping contact with my family. I said, I'm real glad I'm buying it now. I show up over at his house and I'm telling you, there's automobiles everywhere and two-thirds of them won't run. Hoods up on part of them, they're up on blocks, tires laying everywhere. Two old guys, two fellows out in the front yard working on the car. They've got the whole front end tore out from under it. I thought, huh, here we are. I'm a little skeptical, Randy. I'm looking for dogs before I get them out of the truck. Because most time you get in a place like that, they got a hound or two around. They must have been tired, Irvin. None of them showed up. I told him what I'd be driving, so he must have seen my truck. He come bounding out of the front door, and I was glad because them two old fellas over there working on that automobile was looking at me like, what are you doing here? I bounded out of the truck. I've learned one thing. If you'll talk to them boys, like or somebody, most of the time you don't have any trouble. I said, boys, how you doing? Just like that. Oh, we're doing good. How you doing? I said, I'm doing good. About that time, this kid come running up. He's just a kid. 
he comes running up the parking driveway there and he's got that rod and reel in his hand. He said, here it is. He said, I left that lipless crankbait on there for you and said, it's, it's full of, it's, it's full of, uh, of uh, braid, uh, put, filled it up with braid. I'm thinking, son, and I'm going to throw the rod in with it. I thought, my word, this just keeps getting this deal sweeter all the time. I pulled $100 out and handed it to the kid, and he said, thank you. He said, I really appreciate that. I sh should have gave him another 100 But he gave me something. Boy, God wore me out with this. I knew I was preaching this message this morning. He said, he said, hey, before you go, he said, I'd like to invite you to church. Amen. <laughs> and the Holy Ghost said, you're so consumed with that rod and reel, you ain't even thinking church. You're thinking deal. I said, son, I pastor a church. Oh, I'm glad you do. He said, I go to Pleasant Hill Baptist. I said, you know Charlie Mitchell? He said, I do know him. I thought, well, I just ruined my conversation with this boy. He said, I just got back from church camp. You see, he's walking in the clouds. It's on his mind. He cares. Somebody's put it in him at church camp. And he cares. And he said, I wanted to invite you to church. I'm so glad you pastor a church. He said, I've been to church camp and man, it's been good. He said, glory to God. He said, we had a time. This kid's about 15 or 16 years old. And he's not selling this rod and reel because he don't want to fish anymore. He's selling it so he can buy something to keep up with his family. Christopher, his priority is, are you going to church anywhere? I get in the truck. I'm starting down the hill. I mean, the tears are rolling. God said, you know why he asked you that? Why didn't you ask him? I wasn't hardly as bad as Chris Rumfelt, but I used to be pretty bad. If I met you, first thing out of my mouth was, are you a Christian? Now, I still ask some, but not like I did. First thing you're going to get out of me, if I don't know you, first thing you're going to get out of me, are you a Christian? You know what, Stephen? Maybe I cared a little more than I care now. We're looking for a hooting nanny time, camp meeting, glory on the mountain. I mean, we're going to shout it out, have a time. I mean, feel the Spirit of God, enjoy the presence of the Lord. We need to care. We need to care. Andrew and I were talking. No one saved at church camp. I'm not, I'm not criticizing church camp this year. I've preached in about four, three, four meetings in the last two weeks, three weeks. And you know what? Nobody saved. Not many people come pray. And in all that, Gordon, shame on me, in all that, you get to this place.
where you go. Does it matter? It does if you care. Who cares? You ought to care, Mike. You're the pastor. You're right, I should. And I should care more than anybody else because that's how Urban asked me, then girls coming up, hugged me after they sang. He said, how many kids you got? I said, a church full. I never understood Delmer until I took on this role. I never understood it. He'd say, them's my kids. I'd say, no, they're not your kids, Delmer. They're everybody else's kids. And then I'm hearing somebody preach this morning. He said, my, my spiritual son. My kids. Boy, my kids that sat in here and don't know Christ. I'm not the only one that ought to care. We ought to care. Carest thou not? Does he care? You better believe he cares. He come and died. Didn't he? Praise God. Play me something, Vern. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.